Gabe. Cast iron brains. A podcast too often about everything that's wrong with the world, and rarely about what's right with it. And that's not fair to the world, because there's an awful lot right, isn't there? Sometimes we should just sit back, pause, and wonder at human mastery of this majestic realm. Take time, for instance. Who but the greatest, most intelligent human beings at the very tip of the evolutionary spear could conceive of and implement such a thing as daylight savings time? Who but the most daring and fearless innovators could have looked upon the daylight itself and said, I can improve this. And, seeing an opportunity to improve the world, decided to just do it. So now, every year, late in winter, in the dead of night, human ingenuity itself sneaks into the seams between your dreams and absconds with an hour. What were you going to do with it, anyway? My name is Bob, sitting across the way from my good friend and co-host. That's Abe. How you doing, Abe? Doing well, Bob. Yeah, here we are. Lori's here, too. How are you doing? I'm tired. Lori's tired. Abe, today is Monday, March 15th, 2021. The, the Ides of March, Ides right? Ides of March, yeah. yeah. Mm. Abe, what does, the Id- what does that mean for I don't know. listeners? I know what that means. <laughs> Everybody says it, though. Yeah. Lori, what's know? the Ides of March? It's the day that Julius Caesar... Died. Murder. Beware the Ides of March. The Oracle, I don't know who said it. You think Someone they'd be able to get ahead to of beware it? Beware the Ides of March, and by that they meant the March 15th. I don't know if the Ides of April is April 15th. Yeah. <laughs> but I know it's Julius Caesar. I know he was murdered. I know he probably had it coming. Do they consider that a murder or an assassination? He was shanked plenty. That's both the same thing. Mm-mm, I don't care. No. <laughs> I'm very tired as well. The children were especially annoying today. I don't know if I can pin that on my tiredness or or their grumpiness at having been shifted back a whole extra hour. It's not nothing to go from having to be sitting at your desk at 8 o'clock in the morning to suddenly having to be sitting at your desk at... Seven o'clock in the morning for you, these precious little malleable human brains. You would think it's it would awful. be insignificant, right? Just one hour and you get a no. all of Sunday to kind of acclimate. It went from three o'clock to four o'clock in the afternoon. We'd be okay. But they steal it from us in the morning. Right. Which would suck for Sunday, but it, it seems to kind of go into Monday. Don't they say that there's more traffic accidents like the Monday after? Yeah. And you know what's funny is at seven o'clock this morning I said to Lori, "Oh, I feel fine. Feeling, I feel feeling good. good. I, I don't think I'm going to be bothered by this at all." And then by like nine thirty in the morning, he just worked out as the thing. He just had adrenaline going on. Right. I was. And you came back to I Earth. was high off yeah. of my intense six a.m. wake up and early morning uh, workout and my protein shake. I was feeling good. <laughs> and then by nine thirty. Meanwhile, I hate every morning equally. Yeah. To be fair. Like, fuck the morning, no matter what morning it is. Yeah, that's why I don't get this uh, working out in the morning. Usually in the morning, I'm just trying to wake well, up. Well, not everybody gets to, like, work out whenever they want, people that's without true. kids. I just wouldn't work out, is what I'm saying. I don't understand why we continue to do the daylight savings thing. And neither, as it turns out, does 
Marco Rubio, among some other senators. No, he wants to do it all the time. That's true. Rubio's got it. He's awful. A little bit He's backwards. the worst. <laughs> and all the people who there are people who look forward to this because they think, oh, we have more daytime. Like you don't. You have the same amount. You just robbed light from me in the morning. And stuck it in at dinner time. Who needs it? Right, and oh, it's not dinner like time it's, is great. It's, it's, you can it's ride not, your bike. It's not. There's volleyball matches. It's not just pedantic to say, "Well, you know, you're not actually saving any daylight. You're just shifting it from dinner." Like, like that's a, it's just true. Like the daylight savings time thing is a stupid marketing gimmick. It's not like anything is actually. There's a natural daylight savings happens by the changing of the it seasons tilts. here it in the northern hemisphere. The, earth, the, the day sun, gets longer and away. And you can have more daylight in that way. And just shifting it from morning to night doesn't actually save anything. I, this no, is, it's the extroverts like it. I swear. <laughs> it's all the people who want to hang out and do stuff and talk to each other when what they should be doing is sitting quietly at home. But we're not, this is not the fucking 4th century BC. The amount of daylight has no impact on whether or not you can hang out with people. We have electricity. You can go sit on a patio with lights and heat and whatever else, and you don't need the stupid sunlight to do it. My, my whole thing, I mean, I'm not a, full disclosure, I'm not a farmer, so my experience of this whole... A likely story. <laughs> yeah, not a farmer. You're like also... you were out and about on so... Saturday. Sure you were. Not a, not a farmer a hundred goddamn years ago before electricity was widespread <laughs> is, the, is the bigger thing. No, but what I'm saying is, in, in my estimation, I, the morning, I'm not a morning person. It's a wash. If it's sunny, I don't care. If it's dark, I don't care. I would rather defer. Basically, it's like in football, give me the ball in the second half. I want to defer to the rest of the day. In the event that I do something, a lot of days go wasted. Like today, I didn't do anything with this extra hour. But maybe in June, something no, will come up. No, you have less. You don't have an extra hour. They stole it from you. They're going to give it back it's to an, you in it's October. An, it's an advance. November. It's an advance. And November. it's worth the trade-off because the sun goes down, what, almost 8 o'clock now? Almost 9 o'clock in a few months? It's good what living. Is, what exactly what did that do gaining? for you? I dare you to tell me what you're going to gain. Is it just all of the available volleyball yeah. that you're going to get oh, to watch? Oh, it's volleyball. Yes. Also, it's just more pleasant when that the sun sense. is out than when it's dark. I don't like it when it's dark. I disagree it's with that. I think PM it's much more pleasant at night. When okay. you can't see anything. It, what but what what let's are the say people that what you're saying is true right. it doesn't the amount of time that there is with the sun in the sky doesn't change one iota right How, okay the that that the that is only impacted by our tilt relative to the sun no, and no, what no, time tilt. of year it is None of none of man's machinations here make any difference whatsoever to how much sun time right. we're actually getting. Right, but we're all basically you're shifting the hour we consider the hour one hour ahead, right? So otherwise, the sun would go down at six forty-five. It'll go down at seven forty-five, right? That's the only change, right? And so your work. If you want more fucking daylight in your life, yeah. Start eating dinner at 4.30 in but, the afternoon, see, the closer we get see, to that, summertime. That's a flaw with your that thinking. That can be a you problem. Because your work schedule or school schedule, so it eats up a fixed number of hours during the day, right? So no matter what, 
my job ends at four. Well, let's right? change that about this country <laughs> instead of fucking with our clocks. Right. So wait, just to be clear, you, you guys would prefer it to the way it currently is or just. No, fuck no, this. I don't care. Right. Bob always, every time it changes, Bob goes, oh, it should stay this way. I will, I Bob will likes accept. whatever it is. No. But he says that when it's not the dead of winter and we're walking to school in pitch blackness. Like, right. you need the sun in the morning in the winter because it's already gone. Right, but but that's what I'm saying. Your preference is based on your experience, right? I don't have any need for the sun in the morning, right? I'm not taking my kids to anywhere. I'm not. Right now you're not. Right. Well, ask me whenever I have those kids. But I'll right now. I'll ask you when you go back to work again at 6 o'clock in the morning. Oh, I'm fine with driving in the dark. I used to go to work at 6 a.m. Again, my experience of it, to me, the sun in the morning is a wasted sun. If they could push I it to midnight, I'd be for that. Night is a waste that of sun? It's wasted sun. It doesn't make any sense. What are you talking when about? When you experience the sun, I should clarify. The sun is unconcerned with our move, with our changing. All right, it, Abe. So then, by your logic, when should sunrise happen? And by your logic, why shouldn't our time just constantly shift around the time that Bob is, has it, a weird plan? For time, no, and I'm just he wondering. wants it to be different everywhere he goes. He wants it to be so noon is always when the sun is highest in the sky, right? Right. No matter so, who you are so. or where you are, <laughs> it's noon when the so like across town, it's a slightly different time. Well, no, you don't have you don't have in infinite number of time zones you just have a few more you're not satisfied you, with the three we have on the mainland what i'm saying he wants but, way no, I'm, more I'm, than three I'm applying, and they go north and south too i'm it's applying like a your bogus logic <laughs> i'm applying your bogus logic to this situation okay. which is My that, bonus, <laughs> but your bogus lo- logic suggests that we should be constantly on an arguably weekly or at least monthly basis adjusting the clocks so that we are preserving daylight at the end no, of no, the no, day no 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 i didn't say that no, and I'm keeping saying it dark in the morning. Either keep it the way it is, right, or just keep whatever we're entering into. And by the way, it's been explained to me a million times. I'll never understand it. Are we entering daylight savings time or are we exiting? Yes, we're in daylight savings time so now. So this is okay. This is the false time. Okay, this is the this gimmick. is wrong. Okay, right. Everything <laughs> was this fine. This is where Lori and I disagree, which is that there's that this is false and the other one is when true. When did we start counting time? <laughs> When did they start clocks? Okay, they started clocks at some point a hundred years ago. Yeah, more than it was, that. It was about a hundred years okay. ago. Okay, give or take. Clocks. So how many more? How, like what? You, you're proving my own point. It's a really fucking long time. What? It's been they've been had they've had time and Even it's been more time. than one hundred years. But that's not the yeah, name given up. One hundred years. Right. About a hundred years ago, though, someone said, "You know how what? Did, how did they I... coordinate attacks in World War One without the without the clock? They stars, sun, stars. We would have lost if we had daylight savings time back then. The point is, this is the wrong time. What we were in three days ago was the correct time. This is the fucked time. I think you're probably right about that. We have to live yeah. this way for six months. Right, but it's like for eight months. It's like from like March until so like four months is the right time, and then for eight months, the majority of the year, it's this fake one hour shift. Right, and this is the obviously this is the worst week of it because. By next week, we will largely have adjusted. Right. And in fact, probably by the middle of the week, by just a couple of nights worth of sleep, you will have adjusted. It but takes in the me meantime, a solid week of wanting to die. It sucks. 
It's just for and a temporary no, thing. There's no longer any good reason for it. You're offering the best reason for it, which is very much wanting. I prefer the sun than the darkness. And I want to be able to experience the sun. And so if you so shift you get it, up earlier no, and work at night then. The, the, the thing is, okay, earlier, Bob, you were saying, like, what's the right time for the sun to come up? I couldn't care what time the sun came up. The early part of the day is totally meaningless. It's a wash. I wake up, I go to work, or I, do, I, I don't do anything fun until at least, like, 11 a.m., right? So it doesn't matter when the sun comes up. It could be a 4 a.m., it could be a 10 a.m., I don't care. But what I'm saying is, by your logic, you can preserve the most about, amount of sunlight for yourself yeah. by making the sunrise every day at the same time. I mean, time. I can't make the sun rise anything, right? I mean, the sun no, can't? You, that's right. Man can't do that. And yet here we are <laughs> trying to interfere could, but we're not inter- by absconding with an hour. No, the way you control that is you move every time the seasons change. Like So like if what you want is to maximize, I mean, move to the equator and it basically stays the same all the time. Right. So you want basically, Bob, so just you just do want that. high noon at, Every location, just as soon as it's noon, it should be... Yeah, Bob and I got in a fight last year about this, but not, it wasn't, it was last year right now, because it wasn't when we were at Disney when Daylight Savings Time ended, thankfully, making it the best week of our lives. I told Julia, I want to kill myself just to prove a point. Like, people are dying. And people do die. There's an increase in, in heart attack treatment for like a day or this two this week every maybe. year it messes up your circadian rhythm right, it's very bad people There's an increase in traffic accidents because people are dozing off out there trying to get to work about to be an increase in suicides but okay so that's that happened because it changes so like it, i think like the current system we have is the second best system the next the, the best system would be just to make this current thing permanent because if you go you're, back you're to the close. other I would I would 100% accept that as a as a compromise. Like uh, while I I prefer standard time I to daylight savings time. I want you to say time. that in November and December. I want you to revisit that thought. There's no question in my mind what I'm saying is that the best case scenario is that we get rid of daylight savings time and we just have standard One time. One standard time. But that yeah. doesn't Yeah. Right. That would be my ideal, but I'm saying I would absolutely just take daylight savings time as a permanent compromise where we just don't change it. Right. And I don't, I don't know why that, because <laughs> what you're saying, Lori, is that you would be permanently and forever affected by this change that has happened and you would never adjust back, which is just absurd. You're- I think that it would be really stupid in winter to not have it get light in certain places until like noon like i just there's no noon we don't we're not talking about we don't live in alaska <laughs> we don't other people yeah, do right, but, but that hour doesn't matter as much when you're talking about people who live closer to the and poles also, because you just don't have any sunlight right and, and and i i don't think we can say what matters to them right. and that's why like again and you're again you're right laurie that my whole thing my decision making is just really selfish just my experience and also when it's Winter, I mean, it doesn't really get that cold here in Georgia, but when it does, I don't care when the sun goes down either because I'm not going to be outside. Basically, it's like if you have an opportunity to be outdoors, I want this the sun to be This is just purely about volleyball <laughs> yes. is what it is. <laughs> also, I, I, you know, I also, knowing myself, the fact that it is different, 
like I was saying, time was the same for however many thousand years, and then someone decided to fuck with it. Right. That pisses me <laughs> yeah. off as much. <laughs> Because, like, where does it end? Right. It, it, it's all made up in the first right. place. No, no, it wasn't. The, the, the sun moves in the earth. I'm tired. Yeah. But it's great how there's, like, this gimmick that everybody just follows. Everybody just adheres to this thing. Like, because you kind of have to, because you can't be all out of sync. Uh, and also, at least we're not China. Last I checked, they just have one time zone, right? I'm surprised there wasn't wow. like a yeah. uprising. Like a, you think if the the sun when it sets and it doesn't matter so much, it should have been like an overthrow of the well, government. That's just how it on is that. on the East Coast too, though. What's that? I mean, in every time zone, in every time zone, the sun's gonna rise and set at different times. Right, but they have. China is very large. No, it's stupid. <laughs> I'm not saying that's not stupid. I'm just saying because it's one time. Yeah. No. Yeah. It could be like I'm 2 tired. p.m. somewhere, part of China, and the sun is down and. You just have yeah. to follow the rules. Well, whatever. But well, the good news is Marco Rubio is trying to fix it. No, he's trying to make things he's, worse. No, that well, you cannot, you cannot say that it would make it worse to permanently choose one or the other. It would not make I it worse. I think it would make it worse. That's a terrible take. So, Lori, are you saying uh, it's preferable to keep it the current system than to make a permanent change one way or the other? If the permanent change is to the incorrect change, yes. Okay. <laughs> That's a terrible take. But aren't they the equally worst incorrect? part of this is the change. It's the act of the change is the worst part of it. Yeah. It's not that in fucking July we're going to be lamenting the fact I that would. back in April or March we had changed the time. I don't need an extra hour of sunlight in July. It already stays late until it stays light until 8 o'clock in July. I'm not saying that you will... That you would otherwise regret not having changed it. I'm just saying that the all of the pain that's happening is happening now because of the change. And once the change has worn off, there's no more pain. There's one less problem. Until you have to yeah. fucking make the change again. It would solve that's that one the... problem, yeah. No more uh, heart attacks or car accidents or whatever the change causes. Marco Rubio, American hero, <laughs> is trying to make it better. You heard better. it here first. I... Did not know that states needed permission from the federal government or the department of whatever uh, to make the change. Because, like, wasn't there, like, an episode of the West Wing where, like, part of Indiana was one time zone and another part is a different time no, zone? And they life. missed the, I don't know, Josh and the other guy missed the flight because they got the timing wrong. Like, yeah. And yes. Arizona yeah, has their own. I remember own, that. Like, Arizona, like, whenever this change happens, they just say, fuck it, we're going to stay. Arizona's nothing. Yeah. Yeah. So everybody seems to yeah, but so states aren't allowed to do that anymore because a couple of states got oh they got grandfathered uh, got loose in with it yeah okay apparently we've experimented with year-round daylight savings time it didn't go uh, so well back in the seventies and it didn't go so well but nobody fucking remembers that so who cares <laughs> about it... what happened in the nineteen seventies they should just flip a and coin should... and keep one yes. Whatever. It all works. This is a bipartisan effort in the United States Senate, which means it's inevitably going to fail, and there's no good reason for it, it to fail. It means they will have permanently robbed an hour from you forever. It's fine. They can have it as long as we don't have to endure the change twice more. And it all comes in the wash. Year. 23 hours now, 25 hours in the fall. Well, it'll be fine. Anyway, daylight savings time sucks. Sucks for a day. All right, let's check in on the old... WGAS newscast. It's uh, time time for who gives a shit news with Bob and Abe. <laughs> Abe, there's a border crisis happening. Or is there? 
I think it's fair to say there's a there's a crisis at the United States. For a while, States they, there was I don't think that's... pushback against the characterization of crisis, but it does seem to be crisis level. It's a huge problem that there are thousands of people who come to the southern border every year, and apparently now people have. I think a lot of the criticism from the right is that is largely disingenuous. That somehow the Biden administration is outright encouraging these people to show up, and I think. I think a lot of the criticism from the left that the Biden administration is sticking these kids in cages and in jails just like the Trump administration did is also disingenuous. Are people making that uh, claim? Yes, no. people are making that claim. But the fact remains, like, when a bunch of young kids show up at the southern border and they don't have parents with them or have to be separated from their parents for one reason or another, uh, what the fuck are you supposed to do with them? Right. And I don't, I don't know what a good answer to that is. What I know... F- is definitely not a good answer is to advertise the fact that you're going to throw people in cages and separate families on purpose. And that was what the Trump administration was doing is they were using it as a deterrent, right. literally making the cruelty of the policy, the point to try to keep people from coming. I know that's not okay. And in, that's one of those weird cases where two policies can effectively be the exact same thing and still one can actually be way worse if on the one hand you're promoting it as a feature and on the other hand you're just sort of having to accept it and try to fix it right. as a bug right right you know anytime there's a transfer of, of power from one administration to another especially when they're of differing parties the different policies usually take a while for it to kind of take effect but like with immigration especially on the heels of trump like whatever he was doing where like you said, as a deterrent, he was being cruel. As a uh, deterrent, he was keeping people in Mexico without going through the due process to kind of see if the people should be in America or not, like to go through the regular immigration process. As soon as that person leaves, the by virtue of him being out of office, is going to create this sort of thing from, you know, basically it's like, oh, the evil guy is gone. Now it's back to regular order. Let's see if we can exhaust the immigration system that's available to us. And then you have... Right. So so what that means is that any policy that did not explicitly continue the program of uh, family torture right. was going to be framed as being encouraging of people right. showing up at the southern border illegally. Right. So there's, not, there's no winning for Biden here in terms of like getting a, a fair shake of it from the right that's true but also it should be kind of a trump's policy is not sustainable right eventually this sort of thing will happen to where if you're being such a hard ass when you leave office the next person they would have to maintain the cruelty system for it to kind of work and no one's going to want to continue to do that and then you're going to have this wave of people coming in uh and also wasn't there like in 2019 like an uptick in in people uh, crossing the border, like there was a bit of a uh, crisis. It wasn't like this, uh, where unaccompanied minors are coming at this level. But there was, I remember in 2019, I don't know if they were just being used for campaigning, but I remember there was at least some wave that came about. Yeah, there was a, there, most of the charts that you see show that there had been a decrease in, because there had been a decrease anyway, I think, towards the end of the Obama years after seeing a little bit of a spike in like 2009, but it had decreased for a while and then it just started increasing again despite Trump's policies. Right. And, and, and some of it is 
the American policy of, of Biden and Trump, but also sometimes it's just a reflection of wherever it is that they're coming from, right? So like if somebody is in a burning building, right. they'll it's jump. Overwhelmingly, it's overwhelmingly that. Right. It has, ever, it has less to do with how they're going to be treated when they get here and far more to do with how bad they've got it where they are. Right, because even when, like you were mentioning a second ago, even when Trump had these terrible policies, people were still coming. So it's like however bad you treat them, it's not as bad as whatever situation they're coming from. Um, and And so... I wonder if they had the infrastructure at the border, like if they had the space, if they were able to process the 3,000, 4,000, 5,000 unaccompanied minors, if this would be as big of a story. But basically, they're just kind of caught flat-footed, like, holy shit, there's a lot of you. And so they have to put them up in conditions less than ideal. Right. But, I mean, at some point, like, what does processing mean, right? Right. Because processing means... How many people can you interview at once? Right. Like how like how right. many people do you have to have permanently stationed there? And then what do you do with these people while you're figuring out what's going on with but them? But in the process, like, yeah, it, yeah, the process is. It'd be it, nice if they could all be put up in a Hyatt or something right. in the meantime. But like that's probably not. The hotels are all full right now. I think the, the, there's it's no true. there's too much. Especially tra- in Texas, people are torn around big conventions and parties. There's no room in hotels. <laughs> the the convention center, I think, is one place that they're op- they're starting with a, in Dallas. Uh, but it seems like the idea is to, uh, if they if they do have relatives or somebody that they can be with, uh, pending the court hearing, that they would stay with them. And I'm not right. sure if that's basically what they're trying to do. But if there's nobody, there's no family that could care for them, they have to put them up until the court hearing that they're processed and and they get their day in court and a determination is made. Yeah. And on on that score, I don't think there's much difference with the court because it wasn't there during the Obama years. There were a lot of deportations, right? So the process of the people will be more humane, but the determinations will be, I would imagine, similar to what it's been the last 15 years. Right. Well, without actual fundamental change to the underlying immigration laws, you're not going to get actual fundamental change to immigration enforcement, right? Right. There's talk now that this might have been the last piece of meaningful legislation that this Congress gets done before the midterm <laughs> Which elections. Which is one more than usual. But I mean, yeah, isn't usually how it works? Like the, the, I mean, maybe the infrastructure bill will go somewhere, but I, I don't see how they're going to have another big one like this. Because I remember early on, they were talking about there's a res- rescue plan, this $2 trillion plan, and there was going to be a recovery plan like later in the year. It's like, no, there's not. There's not going to be yeah. the second thing, not at the end of the next year. And then by next year, you know, you'll have the midterm. So I suspect that on the Republican side, they're angling for this to be an issue that sustains over the next 18 months, right? Because right. And the, Well, and the administration will try to, when you talk about a recovery plan, the administration is just going to try to run everything through Treasury and through the Fed. And the Fed is supposed to be independent, but it both... All of the monetary and economic policy seems to be suggesting lately here that they're aiming for full employment and they're calling full employment like 3% or something like that, that they won't be satisfied with the employment picture until it's down to something like 3%. And that tells me that they're not going to – they won't have to do any legislation to try to achieve that. They will simply – uh, continue to pump money into this economy in every way that they can and keep interest rates low uh, in an attempt to 
to achieve those ends. And maybe that's enough to get Biden to to keep the House and to hopefully not lose the Senate and and maybe get another shot at another piece of big legislation after the midterms. Like is that right? Is that's that, probably yeah. That, that's probably the uh, best case scenario for Biden is to hold because usually midterms in the first term of a, an, an administration it goes the other way. It did with Obama. Right. It did with uh, with Trump, and so. It's expected to, but you would think if all the people get their money uh, with the tax credit and the fourteen hundred per person, uh, and next year things are back to normal, you think people are like, "Well, it could have been worse," you know? Like, the- no, who votes in midterms? Good point. Yeah, yeah. So. But you would think people would show up this time to see, okay, if we kind of just no, they won't. <laughs> It will be the rich people okay. with time with time to just right. go vote. Right. Well, the 2018 were midterms were very punishing for the Republicans, and there's no— Yeah, re- that's because you had a bunch of pissed-off poor people. Yeah. Agitated people. You won't now. Right. Right. Well, but— You have pissed-off rich people. To an extent, Biden is trying to sort of thread this needle of doing all of the progressive stuff that his— left flank wants him to do at the same time that he doesn't piss off the people on the right. And it seems to me to be working at least to an extent. You've got Marco Rubio calling for that Amazon plant to be unionized in Alabama, right? Right. You've got Tom Cotton has a lot of negative things to say about what's happening at the border, but not a whole lot to say about this uh, rescue plan. There's much more concern about motivating Republican voters in terms of the culture war stuff and immigration and stuff like that and not directly attacking Biden on any of the economically populist things that are going on right now. Right. Uh, because that that's not – I mean it's it's almost unthinkable that Marco Rubio came out in favor – he didn't come out in favor of labor unions generally. He basically came out in opposition to Amazon right. in this one particular case. But still it's a big deal. That he's ultimately siding with organized labor in Alabama. Just to stick over... it to Amazon, which is a big tech company, is, is that like his in? Just like So the thing that Rubio seems most interested in is, yes, the big tech and pretending to be a populist workers party kind of guy. Tom Cotton seems like he's going to try to ride this immigration hardliner thing all the way to a presidential nomination, which he's fucking dreaming. <laughs> Maybe he thinks he can be like... Uh, head of DHS in a Republican. Maybe. Uh, I mean, he'll settle DHS for that. Or CIA or something I don't think like he's that, right? like hoping for that, but he'll settle for it. No, certainly not. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't know what sensible immigration reform looks like. I think that we could probably take on a whole lot more people in Especially this country than we currently do. Especially because people aren't having babies anymore. Right. We've got a, we're going to have a pandemic baby bust, right. apparently, based on all of the numbers. Which that was already are, already people weren't having babies. We were already sort of in decline here, and there's going to be even fewer babies in this country in the next few years because of, uh, you know, humans don't like to reproduce when there's a global pandemic happening, as it turns out. Especially if you're poor. I mean, kids are expensive from what I gather. Although the Biden, this uh, $2 trillion package is as close to a uh, child incentive that we've had in this country in 20 years i don't think it's quite that explicit i don't think that's the plan child tax credit and it's just a one-year thing they're hoping that it's popular enough to where it'll be extended next year but yeah what is it a 3600 for 
up to six or seven years old, and then it's three thousand. After that, right. I don't know what even a Biden uh, immigration reform package would look like. They don't really talk they about did, it. They did. They did come up with a outline, didn't they? Like some sort of ten-year path or eight-year path where you. That's functionally just just never going to happen. Right. Mansion and cinema would never agree to anything like that. They've effectively become the same position that Laura Ingram was in ten years ago on immigration reform. Like that. That's where. That's where Trump has taken the party. That's where the Republicans have taken the party on immigration is that they've dragged the more conservative Democrats over to where conservative talking heads were in 2010 on immigration, which is nuts. That that might be the most lasting impact of Trumpism if you want to have that sort of conversation. It's a complete changing of the way that this country has talked about immigration. George W. Bush was in favor of a path to citizenship until the right flank of his party killed it. But that happened a couple of times with Bush and then also like during the Obama years. What, weren't there like a gang of however many and Boehner got a lot right. of Rubio, shit? Wasn't Rubio – wasn't that yeah, going to be Rubio's would, first big win yeah. was immigration reform, right. uh, bipartisan immigration reform? Right. They tried to push it and then I think that they did a story on Frontline about it and like all of the talking heads and talk radio and started saying this is the worst thing ever and they started calling their offices and they backed away from it. That's probably as close as we've gotten in the last 10, 15 years. All right, number two here. The AstraZeneca vaccine, which has not been cleared for use in the United States yet, or nor does it look like it will be anytime soon, but was being used across Europe, has been suspended in Germany, France, Italy, and Spain over reports of blood clots forming in some recipients. Is this not like the end of AstraZeneca? Like the, the reason why I kind of found this story odd is it, the whatever European agency, their equivalent of the FDA that approves these things, they've already approved it. I think it's approved in Canada and some other places, right? It's not approved yet in the United States, but I think there was like seven or so blood clots or 30 or so blood clots out of many, many, many millions. And right. yeah, out of an abundance of a caution, do whatever, right? But how do you convince people to take this vaccine when it does get approved or when they say, you know what, we kind of jumped a the gun there, but it's fine. Uh, you can Especially when, the other, when there are others that are working and are seemingly as or more effective right. as this one. In, in Georgia here, like nobody wants to get – all of my friends and family, nobody wants to get the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, which is a very effective vaccine, but the numbers aren't as high – as Pfizer and Moderna, right? There's no blood clot issue. So what's funny is even that is a bit of a mistake. Right. In it's not quite fair. The J&J one is at one shot, and that gives you whatever the whatever the efficacy number is that they've decided on, 65 70% or something efficacy. The other ones, they claim 90 95% efficacy, but that's only after two doses. Right. And it's, it's not also like— not the- the variants, the Johnson and Johnson one was tested against. Right, the trials happened later the in the year, and it was exposed. Well, but, yeah, because yeah, it was later. Yeah. Right, but also, it's not like if you get your first Moderna shot, that's not part one of a two-step lock and key thing, where it's the second shot that fits part B into part A and makes the whole thing work. Right. It's just, it's basically just a booster shot. Right. It's the same. the 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 thing that's in vial. 
shot one is the exact same ingredients that's in vial shot two. You're just getting a second dose right. of it. So presumably, if you got a second dose of the J&J vaccine you would have three similar months numbers, later, you yeah. would also... You'd be invincible because <laughs> right. it would be over 100%. So, and the only meaningful difference between the Pfizer and the Moderna versus the Johnson & Johnson is that the first two are mRNA vaccines and the the Johnson and Johnson is a, a an older vaccine technology, but it's doing the same thing. It's sneaking that spike protein into your body to tell your body to react to this same exact spike protein that the mRNA ones do. So the mRNA ones tell your body to manufacture this thing to fight the spike protein, whereas right. the Johnson and Johnson vaccine, the spike protein hitches a ride on some sort of other virus, an adenovirus, adenovirus, something like that, in the same way that you would get a little bit of flu in order to try to fight the flu. This is giving you another small virus that teaches you how to fight this spike protein. Right. So, um, And there's no, there's no reason, what I'm trying to say in a complicated way is there's no reason to prefer one over there, the other. There shouldn't be, but there is, right? So there's already a prejudice against Johnson and Johnson, and even though if you look into it like you described, it's actually just as effective as the others because it's just a single shot. This is the word association will be AstraZeneca blood clots. Good luck trying no, to get somebody like, to use it's this. It's because everybody that you know listened to Andy talk about how great the technology <laughs> was of the new ones yeah. that they're like, I don't want the old That's one. Right. That's old. I want the new cool That's one. That's right, yeah. That's it's, why. It's new. Because everyone listens to him. Right, well, and like word association, unfortunateness aside, AstraZeneca sh should just be like, okay, give us the ingredients for the other vaccines and we'll manufacture those instead. Oh, like Merck? Like that should be the... Yeah. Right, like Merck is doing. Like that, the plan should be to just mobilize Anybody with the capability, we have at minimum three or four vaccines that we know work that probably don't have any, hopefully don't have any long-term side effects that we don't know about yet. We should stop with this approval process for everything else and just mobilize every oh, manufacturing right. we don't need any more capacity new that we currently have. Okay. Right. Just start pumping out all of this. All of these other ones. You know, these uh, company pride, you know. Uh, Merck, no, to their credit, so they, they swallowed a lot of pride. Uh, and their vaccine candidate didn't go very far. I can't imagine Johnson & Johnson, or uh, AstraZeneca rather, would be open to that because they're going to be stubborn. They're like, no, our shit is good. It's going to ruin our name if we go the other way. Even though what you're saying is the right thing to do. Because all we need to do is get, just get the vaccines that work out into the world for people to be injected with, right? It right. doesn't matter that it's your company's vaccine. Just get it out there. But it'll be a hard right. sell for And them. we'll pay you. We'll, we'll, we'll still buy the vaccines right. from you. You can still make your handsome profit. It doesn't matter whose name is on the patent at the end of the day. Right? It's literally like me using someone else's color formula. Right. But, and there's not anything wrong with that. But you don't think the way that those people think they're like their brand name will be, oh, there's those bums that can cut it. I'm just going to get stuff from so-and-so. Oh, people will not remember. <laughs> I mean, the stock market might. Yeah. I don't know. We uh, got an email today from someone who got an email from someone who got an email from someone talking about getting enlisted or on a list for the child vaccine trials. 
Oh. That will be starting. Who's doing that? Is it Johnson? Who, is there one company that's doing this? I think there's many of them. Oh, there's probably many of them. The one, this one in particular, they're looking for 500 kids in Virginia to start a on the Moderna vaccine trial. And I'm like, I will admit to being hesitant about enrolling my own children in that for a couple of different reasons. Uh, first, since there's a really good chance I'm going to end up with the J&J vaccine instead of the Moderna one, like it would feel weird to me to like in a the king has a taster sort of situation okay. <laughs> where like where like my kids would be getting this thing that I would not be not that I wouldn't be willing to put right. it in my body right. given the opportunity but that it it's a new technology right it's not been tested on children before it's a we, like there's a hesitancy right. there no, I that I you. must acknowledge how young are they going with this apparently they are going all the way down to like Three years old, I think, maybe even younger. Wow. But they adjust the amount of the, the dose injection based on age and weight and all of the other criteria. Gotcha. Which they don't do for adults. Yeah. Like a tiny little adult like my mom, who weighs like 90 pounds, is getting the same thing as a 400-pound yeah. man. They're like, ah, oh, fuck it. You're like, an adult. They're not adjusting yeah. for that <laughs> in grown-ups, which is interesting. Yeah. But also, it becomes a question of... Like, what is the risk mitigation profile that we're worried about here? And and I'm also so now also to be clear, I'm talking entirely personally. So this is no, right. this has nothing to do with anything besides my personal feelings on the matter. But it is the case that children do not seem to get bad cases of the coronavirus when they do come down with it. And like the reason for the shutdown, largely and the attempted quarantines and all of that wasn't to protect kids as much as it was to protect vulnerable adults and particularly immune-compromised children uh, from getting and spreading this to other vulnerable people, right? Yeah. The risk profile for a young 10-year-old kid who's healthy who gets the coronavirus is very, very small. And given how small that is, and given the fact that the more immune-compromised and vulnerable adults who get the vaccine, who are therefore themselves less at risk right. from this thing being out there, then how does that factor into how you consider the risk of putting your own child into a vaccine trial where you don't know what the outcome is, right? So if the, the risk profile for your child getting the coronavirus is inherently so low, then it almost doesn't matter how low the risk profile is for getting them into the vaccine trial. Right. Because now what you've done is you've you've personally put that risk into play right. that otherwise wouldn't be right. there. Whereas this, on the other hand, was just a normal walking around the world kind of risk right. that you just accept as a part of the deal of because being alive. people die all the time right. from shitty things. Right. So I don't know. I don't know what the right I mean, the thing to do is there. The good news is that there are it's only a 500-kid trial. I'm sure the list is going to fill up very quickly. And just Also, it's by not like they come to your house. You have to fill out paperwork. Yeah, it's a whole thing. Drive to the place. Like, it's a lot of hassle. Yeah. Right. And so, but does that make me uh, an inherently no. worse person? Because I want to have this ethical dilemma conversation in my head long enough to let the list fill up so that I don't have to make that right, but decision. I mean, if your uh, conclusion is that the... The trade-off, based on all the information we currently know about young kids, the trade-off isn't worth the hassle. So why go through the hassle? I mean, if you know the kids were like 13 or something, maybe that'd be an interesting thing to 
Yeah, if they were teens, yeah. that'd be interesting. I thought kids that young, like if they're like seven or five or three, even if they're going that low, like had, had right. But so, but that's the other thing is that it's inevitable that this trial will happen and that we will find <laughs> out that whatever the risks are, like in all likelihood, there won't be major side effects. And two years from now, it will just be standard practice. Yeah, that just every, like we give them flu shots like every we year. We give them the flu shot every year. We will go in. August and September to get the flu shot, and then we'll go. I wonder in, if they'll give us money at Target. They give you five dollars for the flu shot. I and then wonder we'll if they'll give you money. October, November for your coronavirus vaccine. Like I doubt that they'll do them at the same time, but it probably like it wouldn't surprise me at all that the ultimate outcome from what we've gone through in the last couple of years is that there is an annual COVID booster that everybody's going to get, right. including kids in all likelihood. And given that inevitability. I don't know what my ethical obligation is. You think like you'd be some sort of like free rider or something that other parents expose their kids and what? Like Yeah, I think that's a natural way of understanding the situation, right? You're not sneaking in a philosophy with Abe early, are you? Is this one of those like what would you do? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to Abe. sneak that in, but that is a natural <laughs> consequence of this it's conversation also, that we're having. There's an element of the anti-vax movement yeah. that started, and I'm going to screw this up. Not necessarily that vaccines are bad, but that they could be bad. But if everybody gets them but you, then you don't need to get right. them. You're like a so freeloader, like, yeah. Just... Yeah. So, like, if we let all these other kids get these vaccines, then maybe our kids won't even But I thought need a lot, to. yeah, that's true. But a lot of anti-vaccination people actually think that these things are harmful. They're not like, let me just yeah, hang it's, back. No, but that's, yeah, and that's a separate right. thing. Right. It's like a game I mean, of. I, I would have a hard time getting past what my initial objection was, which is that the plan is to keep vulnerable populations from getting this disease. Uh, we have vaccines widely available to vulnerable populations to keep them from getting this disease. Right. If my kids are not at a high risk profile for getting this disease and spreading it to others, right? Because yeah. other people are then vaccinated then I don't think that my obligation is that high right. in terms of experimenting on them. And that's what it would be. Like, it's it's a weird thing, but it's, you we're know, involved I'm, in a lot of... Nat- As humans, we're involved... We exist at the whims of a lot of natural exper- so-called natural experiments, whether it's the stupid supercomputers that we have in our pockets all the time. Uh, the Like, whatever it is, we're enduring strange experiments that we think of as just normal life. Right. I mean, some uh, of them are, you know, calculated experiments and like like i said in, in this particular case the upside is negligible and so it doesn't matter the downside it's just it's not worth the effort all right real quick we'll skip to the end of the wgas newscast here and talk a little bit about amanda gorman abe you remember amanda gorman when i was looking at the the show notes i the name didn't really ring a bell until i clicked through to the link and like, oh the the girl from the the, the overly long poem uh at the uh, biden's yes thing. the inauguration day poet the future president had such a wide impact on the culture with her long spoken word poem that she did so her words are just begging to be heard by people all across the globe because uh, they were certainly not just a silly cheap aspirational piece of eight minutes of weird fluff and patriotism instead they were meaningful and deep 
and desperately need to be heard by people everywhere. So she's going to be, have that poem, which was called The Hill We Climb. It needs to be translated into languages all over the globe. And we have to find the right people to do that translation. And the first time this po- popped up was... A couple weeks ago, a Dutch publisher had announced that some guy, actually, I might not be okay with calling him a guy. I think that she, he is a person. That person is non, describes themselves as non-binary. So uh, this, this person, an acclaimed author who had won the International Booker Prize, was selected to translate The Hill We Climb. And that pissed off. Uh, a bunch of people on social media who said that it was wrong for the publisher not to have chosen a translator who was, quote, a spoken word artist, young, female, and unapologetically black. And that was black with a capital B. Now, (laughs) black in that context with the capital B has generally meant black American descendant of slaves, right? right? Like that is... That that capital B is for a particular subset of the demographic, not just for a lowercase b that would just describe a skin color uh, poorly right. in most cases. So the chances of finding someone who can translate from the American vernacular of the, the culture that Gorman comes from or unap- unapologetic American blackness, young and female, into Dutch... That seems like it's going to be sort of a, a tall right. order, it's, right? Okay, I just have a couple of questions because th- today is the first time I'm hearing of this, right? Um, and so I'm just kind of processing the information as you give it. I assume that this book poem thing is translated into many more languages, right? It's not just Dutch and like the the catalog, the Span- those Spanish separatist people, right? So it, yeah. it's yeah, because the other story from today was uh, a Catalan individual, Victor Obioles, whose previous work includes Catalan translations of William Shakespeare and Oscar Wilde. <laughs> so, so the question I have... He's, he's able to translate William Shakespeare and Oscar Wilde, but he told CNN Thursday that the commission was initially approved by Gorman's representatives, but they later decided that he wasn't right for the job. So all, all of this came about because the information was exposed on social media and some busybody had a problem with it, right? Is that basically it? Like all of these decisions were made based on who can do the job and give them that job to do, right? But then it was posted somewhere online and somebody thought, hey, this would be a good opportunity for me to be an idiot. And now they're responding to this idiot, right? That they got rid of one person and now they're trying to find some black Dutch person? What if they suck at translating it? They're going to ruin the whole fucking book. Yeah, but not even... Well, for, it's hard to ruin, but <laughs> what if you... How dare you. If you get... Like, what is the criterion? Because you're not going to find a Dutch black person who grew up in Southern California who, right. like, had, like... Like, at some... Like, there's... It's a... It's an infinite regress all the way back to the only person who can properly translate this is Amanda Gorman herself. So she's going to have to go out and and learn Dutch and learn Catalan and learn every other language on the planet. If we want to bless everyone around the globe uh, with this brilliant work. Also, what is the 
purpose of a translator? I mean, they don't get a lot of wiggle room. You're not adding your own sauce to it, right? You're trying to just do an honest translation, right? Right. You want to try to stay as true to the original intent as possible. And they're saying... But they're saying that's functionally impossible, right? right? That's what they're actually saying. But again, this only... Correct me if I'm wrong. This only came up. This only became an issue because someone online complained. Is that the gist of it? Of course. Yeah. And so they're just responding to that instead of just saying, fuck off. They're like, oh, well, consider this. So is there a Rus- Russian version of this poem? Do they have, I mean, it, are they now going to apply that retro? Like they're going to go back and fire or not use the translated works? of whomever they got the first go around for other languages or does it stay with these two languages? Is it just for the purpose of these two languages so people can leave them alone, they're going to do whatever? I have no idea. It seems to me kind of like a, like a mindless criticism. Like you're not even thinking through what you're saying, but you're just saying it. Right. It's not like the translation was done and it was found wanting. Like he snuck, he snuck in an inappropriate word or something as some dig. So it gets into, obvious questions of like cultural appropriation and all the other nonsense, but it also speaks directly to a denial of what is supposed to be good and meaningful about art. And I don't think that I'm blowing that completely out of proportion, right? So that a work like this is supposed to elevate itself beyond the words or the experiences of the one individual and appeal to the humanity of everyone who hears it, right? We're supposed to recognize in a work like this our common humanity. The thing that makes it matter to me at all is that I would recognize in Amanda Gorman her reaching out to all of the people around her and saying, here we all are doing this thing in this world despite our differences. And as evidence to support your point, they're being translated in so many different languages. If that wasn't, if what you're saying is not true, then why the fuck some Dutch person want to read some American perspective, right? It's, this is, there, there are some universal thing you can take from whatever works people read, right? So obviously there's a benefit there, but I, I keep on going back to this. These companies or people are just kind of like reflexively, they just don't want to put up any sort of like, hey, you know, in this instance, the way we went about it is the right way. Piss off, right? Because I, I, I know this is, sounds absurd and I'm sure Tucker Carlson will will come up with some similar stupid idea. But what if, like, you know, these uh, sign language people, would someone have a problem, like, if a white sign language person did, like, you know, the interpretation for, like... That's a good question. There is a difference. Like... There's a, there's a slight difference. No, no, in America. So there's the American sign language, right? Yeah. So is there a yeah. difference between two different ASL... Uh, because there is a slight difference. Okay, I, s- I would like to point out that I think most of the time those things are bullshit. Are- <laughs> and those, those people are just making motions with their arms. There was yet an- and then- there was yet another incident where someone was found to have been doing bullshit hand gestures. Not as bad yeah. as like with uh, the Nelson Mandela uh, funeral, but I think just like last week. Apparently the standard is pretty low. You can just show up and just say, I do interpretation things. Can I just stand beside you and do the right. thing? And I'm all for expanding access and, and making sure that people with disabilities can can experience the world just like the rest of us more capably abled people, uh, which is probably not how you're supposed to phrase that. But who is the market for the ASL translator at every fucking mayor and governor's speech that happens in this country? 
It has to be vanishingly small. Yeah. Because we have the ability to do closed captions that are actually pretty good right. live, right? You can do as it's happening, closed captioning of live events and display them on the screen. And most people who can read American Sign Language can also read the True. bottom of a screen as it's <laughs> happening. Maybe like for the reporters so, that are... What is the percent... Right. So it's for the... <laughs> there's a hard of hearing person somewhere in the room who's better off with a bogus hand gesture than they would be with a transcript afterwards. Right. Like I, I just, the, the, I cannot the, even imagine how tiny right. the audience is for that, given all of the other options that are on the table for getting that information. But out maybe they're like the trying world. to normalize it for other purposes down the road. My first experience with a hand gesture, uh, th- uh, sign language thing, it was at Coachella, it was like the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And I just was staring at this sign language person and was trying to isolate who is this person communicating to in the crowd. I mean, there's thousands of people. I couldn't find who it was. They had an American sign language translator on the big that screen at Coachella. Yeah. Choice. And maybe they had a fan for Anthony who... Kiedis's lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they were there <laughs> the whole day, my... but just uh, I was there for the how, minute. How exactly do you sign in American sign language? The way you've been seeing it happen, <laughs> just waving your arms around. Those are Anthony Kiedis lyrics, just waving your arms around. Drinking my juice. Yeah. Young love chugga lug me. <laughs> How there, is that signed? There was a chunk of students in my high school who were ASL students. Okay, see, there's a market for it, and like you said, Bob, there's it's, like a they're they're clustered yeah. most of the time, like they all go to the same high school in the region. Right. Um, I have a funny thing to tell about black poetry. Little Bo Peep coming Bob. from my stun gun. <laughs> Take care. Most motherfuckers have a cold ass stare. Oh, baby, please be there. Suck my kiss. Cut me my share. How does that get signed? Google should have a a sign language translator where you can plug those things in in some robot thing. Yeah, where's that, Google? (laughs) I had a client who is a, I believe, kindergarten teacher, maybe first grade, at one of the private schools here, which is as imaginably white as you're thinking, just like a bunch of white kids. And they're doing a poetry project where they're going to have the kids read a poem and be videotaped reading the poem. And she'd picked out some poems, and I forget who it was that sort of forced her to read, or to have the kids read, I believe it's Langston Hughes. Like, they gave her a book of, like, no, it's you, you should do these because of black people. Right. And she's reading them, and she was like, I don't know if I can have white kids read this and not have it be cultural appropriation right. in a very bad way. <laughs> like, it's like, she was like, just look, look at these poems. Right. And I was like... I immediately see exactly what yeah. you're saying. And, like, I wouldn't be offended, but I Someone totally would. see what you're yeah. saying. You know, eyes are moving on the, like, ooh, it's Jar Jar, you know? Well, that's Jar-Jar a big, yeah. It's quite a task for Speaking in dialect is never great, but the idea that children only black people are allowed to read poems by no, black people but is just little stupid. white, little, the richest white children that don't know what they're reading because they're children. Yeah, I don't know. 
anytime somebody says as a so and so or as a X colored person or whatever, <laughs> are there X color? Oh, you mean a, a, fill in the color? Right, fill in Not the like a, fill in previously the personal identity qualifiers gotcha. as a so and so with my lived experience, which is just a. Those are two words that mean the exact same thing, and I don't know why we put them together. Experience. Experience means what you right. lived through, and living through something means that you have experience. Lived experience is a nonsense And also, word. people have very uh, – their experience, lived experience is different. It's not limited just because you're Asian or black or white. Like You could be some white guy from West Virginia. Your lived experience is different than some surf bro in California. Right. I just don't know what is so precious about the work of Amanda Gorman that somebody who speaks both languages can't figure out how to get the the heart of the matter from one language into the other because they're not themselves an unapologetically black person. It doesn't make any sense to me. I, I don't think it and has it, it never will. Anything to do with the ability of the person who was tasked with the job. They just somebody saw an opportunity to just be an asshole and they were Abe, uh, real quick, whack shit or wacky All shit? Right. D- did a cheerleader's mom create a deep fake video in order to harass her daughter's cheerleading <laughs> rivals? Can I ask a question before I answer? Like, yes. is the deep fake of her daughter? The deep fake would be of the people who were the targets of the harassment, the daughter's <laughs> rivals. <laughs> I wish this is true. Uh, so I'm just going to assume, Just I hope that it's true. So I'm going to say uh, whatever the true equivalent is. It is. It's whack shit. A Pennsylvania mother allegedly sent deep fake photos and video of her teenage daughter's cheerleading rivals, depicting them naked, drinking, and smoking to their coaches in a bid to get them kicked off wait, the team. Wait, wait, what? So Underage kids? like, I read about this on my Google feed. So mom, who's a, a real She's piece a of work. She's a cheer mom. She's a cheer mom. I'm going to share my screen right quick. It's just going to Don't pop. make fun of people's I'm not going to I'm not making I just want Abe to see what we're working with here. I'm not going to say anything about her appearance. I'm just going to flash Abe a quick photograph don't compromise and then I'll me with move your... on. You got anything to say about that, Abe? I don't see anything yet. I see a black screen. Oh, okay. Okay, I mean That's mom. I'm not going to give you the satisfaction, bub. This person could be anybody. Yes. Yeah. She's charged with three counts of cyber harassment of a child. She took photographs from her daughter's friend's social media. And Did you mention that? Deep fake them onto pornography right. and kids doing drugs and then sent them around. Trying to get them kicked off the these, team. These are high school age kids, I assume underage. Yes. So she sent pictures, I mean, fake pictures, but presented in such a way where it's like child porn. Yeah, I guess so. She didn't consider the fact that. Is there something wrong with that? <laughs> and how come not that's not in that. the, uh, the news article where, like, we'll, we'll keep you honest? You, you <laughs> well, because it wasn't real. <laughs> it's just like, it's just like when you have. Dawson's Creek actors that are actually in their, in their early yeah. 20s playing yeah. teenagers. It's not child right. porn. What was, I mean, best Same. case, best case scenario, what would have happened? Like the, this, 
Best case scenario, those they fucking... They get kicked off the team. Those mean, bratty girls who were mean to her daughter and were keeping her daughter out of first cheer chair or whatever the fuck it is. Oh, so she was already on the team. the team. She just wasn't in the pecking order that she wanted? I guess. I don't know. But... Anyway, that's whack shit or wacky <laughs> shit. There was just one. Because I didn't know how else to sneak that story into the rundown. I, uh, did you seek this new story? It just comes in your feed. like. Uh, Mine came into my feed. I don't okay. know how I first saw it. Probably Twitter. <laughs> uh, thanks, parents. Um, but that's a that's a good jokey sort of story. It's also like a really serious problem we're gonna have in this world over the next like hundred years. What's that? Which is that you're not gonna be able to trust any video that you see but- if it is not in keeping with what you already know. And that's that's like <laughs> it's a perfect scenario for repeating what's happened for the last five years. And and turning it all the way up to right, 11. It, it will eventually give everyone, especially bad actors, uh, plausible deniability, right? Like, oh, no, they they did a thing with the Photoshop. It's right. not me. And I'll send a, I'll put a link, not, well, I will put a link to this story also, but in the show notes, there was a cool video, I think this was last year, or maybe even a couple of years ago now, where I think it was a research team at MIT faked uh, moon disaster as though the 1969 moon landing had gone poorly and there had been a crash on the moon. There was a backup speech that Nixon's people had prepared ahead of time. And so we have this text in the historical record of what Nixon would have said had the unthinkable happened uh, on Apollo 11. Was it a well-written speech or like, oh, shit happens sometimes, America? No, it was okay. good. It's a good speech. It's a good, short and to the point. Like ob- obviously prepared ahead right. of time without any of the particulars, but it was a good speech, a good fill in the blank kind of speech. And so what the MIT people did is they deep faked the audio where they had an actor do something approaching a Nixon voice, but then also used archival audio of Nixon himself to make it sound even more like Nixon. And then they also deep faked Nixon's face. So they do this whole presentation in this video that I'll link to that's Nixon giving the speech that he would have given wow. had there been a disaster for Apollo 11. And it it's not perfect, but it's pretty, pretty convincing yeah. because you can, you can also dirty up the footage because it's from 1969. It becomes more believable because it's sort of fucked up when you look at it as though this really is archival footage that you're so looking at. So they didn't deepfake the moon crash landing. Like it's like no, one they didn't small oh shit. Part. That is sort of when you started talking, that's where it sounded like this was going. So I'd be very impressed if they did that. Dave and I to catch on to what was happening. But what's amazing is that if you decontextualize that from the rest of the the presentation, where they're talking about it in terms of deep fake, and you think a thousand years from now somebody comes across a hard drive and it's just this video of Richard Nixon (laughs) giving a speech about the dead astronauts, we're gonna be like, did they cover up this horrible thing that happened in the mid twentieth century? Like it's, but it is. It's a serious problem. Uh, well, I'm sure we'll find the solution. There will be no finding of the solution. I'm sure that people will just re- be, begin to behave like rationally two, and reasonably when presented with things that are not it's real. Like a two-step verification. We'll come up with some version of that. Yeah. All right. Let's head over to Peabody Hall here for philosophy class with A. All right. Peabody Hall is where I went. Uh, for all of my, or the overwhelming majority of my philosophy classes on the beautiful North Campus, University of Georgia. 
this podcast is in no way affiliated with the philosophy <laughs> department at the University of Georgia, and I'm sure they would disavow everything that I've said up to now and am so saying So many now, mentions of Marco Rubio in one episode. And in the future. <laughs> but as we said last week, we wanted to occasionally drop in and get Abe's take on classic philosophical questions. Right. This is one of the oldest. And actually, uh, as it turns out, this has some cultural relevance because this example turned up in the last episode of the hit Disney Plus series WandaVision, oh. uh, which we did not watch. We watched the first episode, I think. That, that's the one where they, and we have, they're like in different sitcoms throughout the years or shows. Correct. Apparently, because we've only watched one episode, that's, so it looks so far like just Dick Van Dyke, okay, and that's it. That's one more episode than I watched, but I heard that Or the, I Love Lucy, I guess, but their house is more like Dick Van Dyke's house, so. Okay. Anyway, this did make a, an appearance in the wider pop culture after I had brought it up with the kids, which is a very strange coincidence, because I don't remember having encountered this particular thought experiment outside of the philosophy classroom before. Okay. But this is a metaphysics question. It's a question about identity over time. It's like one of the first things you ever talked to me about. So says Lori. I don't remember that Bob doesn't at all. remember anything. This is presented classically as the ship of Theseus, Abe. Okay. I, I think I'm aware of this uh, scheme. Oh, have you heard of this one before? It's like the part... Well, I'll let you explain. Ship of Theseus comes to port, and it's a very famous warship, and they want to keep it on display for a very long time because of its great historical value. And so they pull it out of the water and they put it up on blocks and they want to display it for a long time. But they realize after a few years that one of the boards on the ship of Theseus has started to rot. So they take the rotted board out and they replace it with a new right. board. And this is a process that, that goes on for some time. So after the first year, let's say that they've replaced one board on the ship of Theseus, what would you call that ship now that one board has been replaced? It's the same. It's the ship of Theseus, right? right? After a after a hundred years, you've replaced every single plank that was ever on the original ship of Theseus right. has rotted away. But as each one rotted, it was replaced with a new board. What, after 100 years, are we calling the ship that's in at the bay. The same thing. It's the yeah. same thing. It's still the ship yes. of Theseus. If if the changes is uh, gradual, it preserves its identity. If it's sudden, it doesn't. Now, let's say that if instead of replacing these, this is a good, strong ship made out of good oak or whatever the fuck they build oak ships out of. Instead of replacing it with wood, they've determined in order to make this ship last longer, they replace it with aluminum, you know, a steel rebar, right. something like that. So now, instead of replacing this one rotted piece of wood with another piece of wood that will inevitably rot away, they replace it with a stronger material. And they do that over and over again for 100 years. At the years. same pace. At the same pace, what are we left with same after thing. 100 years? So That's still yes. even the ship of Theseus? Abe knows. So my thinking is there has to be an opportunity for there to be an identity change, right? So if it's a if it's a gradual thing over the course of a, like there is never an opportunity for the identity to change, it's still the same. So it's still the ship of Theseus. So let's say there's a captain's quarters in the ship of Theseus, okay. 
And you are the museum curator, and you're giving a tour of the ship of Theseus after 100 years. And some bratty little kid is trailing along on your spoken word tour. And you say, we're on the ship of Theseus. This was the captain's quarters. This is the very bed that the captain slept in as uh, he was captaining the ship of Theseus around, making war and bringing great glory to whatever country it is, the, the Greeks. And... The kid says, well, but you replaced all of the boards on the ship over the last 100 years. Did you replace the boards in the captain's bed? And the guy says, yes, we did. We had to, the boards in the bed also rotted away. And at some point over the last 100 years, we've replaced all of the boards in the bed as well. And the kid says, well, that's not the captain's bed then. What what do you say to the kid? So not to split hairs, but like, if he said that this is the quarter or this is the place where whatever, if you kind of keep it general, I would be fine. But you can't say that this very anything, and if it's not the very thing, you can't say that. Like that's – if that's exactly the phrasing, then I would go with a snotty little kid to say, well. So it's a, re- it's a replica of the captain's right. bed, correct? Right. Because like, that's like a. So then, why isn't a, it a rep, why 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 isn't it then a replica of the ship of Theseus that we're because working Because the thing with? is, it's going back to the identity of the ship. If it happens gradually, there isn't an opportunity for it to be something that it's not. The bed is a very specific thing. So if you remove the bed and you replace it with a different bed, then it's a different bed. It has its own thing. But the ship so is the, the same. The ship of Theseus is not the boards. The ship of Theseus is some sort of an idea. But it's like the, the the totality of it, right? It's presenting itself as the ship. All right. New wrinkle. Abe and I are the same. New wrinkle. You have the ship of Theseus in the harbor, and instead of waiting for the ship of Theseus to rot away board by board, year by year, you're a proactive uh, museum curator slash harbor manager or whatever the fuck we're going with here. And you take a board out of the ship of Theseus every year and you place it over here. It's not rotted, perfectly fine, but you want to get ahead of the game. So you've removed that board, you place it over here, and you put it in the same spot that it maintained in the ship of Theseus. And then you take board two the next year and you replace board two over here and you place board two next to board one so that after 100 years, you've replaced the ship of Theseus that came into port 100 years ago with brand new planks so that it's a completely rebuilt ship that never at any point in the last 100 years did its identity have that opportunity to shift like you're talking about. But at the same time, sitting in the harbor... You now have a ship that was constructed out of all of the planks that made up the ship of Theseus. So you have a ship of Theseus over here, which pulled into the harbor 100 years ago that's made out of completely new wood. And you have a ship of Theseus over here, which is made out of all of the old wood from the ship of Theseus. What do you have Mm. before you? Do you have two ships of Theseus or no ships of Theseus or or is one of them the true ship of Theseus? This is like the... The time where there were two Undertakers in in in, in the WWF and they had to like fight it off. <laughs> I forget how it ended, but there was this one true Undertaker like after they fought. Um, you can't do that with ships, I recognize. Oh, you can. You can make the ships fight. <laughs> That's I, I, can, I bet that old one won't last. See, with that one, I, I would I would uh, I, I would decline to to take a position. <laughs> oh yeah. But by going by your 
initial standard, right. I think you have to say that the ship that pulled in originally that had its planks replaced one at a time over the course of 100 years is still the ship of right. Theseus. And this other thing is somehow something right. new. Is if Because if the idea is what matters, if the the thing that we're calling it is what gives it its identity, then the ship of Theseus is still in that original spot, having had all of its planks replaced, and this thing over here is somehow something different. Right, but I still would not want to say that. You would decline. I would decline. Anyway, it's, it's, it's just an interesting thought experiment that captivated me a long time ago, and also... What, what, what is your take, Like, are, are you... Well, let, let me let me get into this other thing. So the other way of thinking about it in terms of personal identity is so the human body replaces every cell in itself every seven to ten years. Like th there's not a cell in your body that was part of you when we met, right? Every cell in your body has – it expires and it gets replaced by newer so cells, have, right? Your body is constantly – I have a birthmark. So you're saying that the birthmark, it regenerated the same – splotch on my skin yeah oh what a nice racket yes it's genetic that's that's what those that the pigment in the in those cells are okay the pigment cells have regenerated and yet it would never occur to a normal human being to say that you're not the same person that you were 10 years ago i mean you might say you've right. changed you've evolved you've Whatever you wouldn't say right. that obviously. <laughs> I think it's <laughs> a lot of people change over time more than you do. For example, I, I would try that um, argument in court, like, "Oh, Your Honor, it's a different cell." That was me. That wasn't me. The statute of limitations is long since passed on those cells. Uh, but yeah, you're right. It's, it's such a gradual change that it's you know right. And but the 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 change actually isn't the thing that matters in that case. What matters is the continuity of experience, right? right? And arguably, even just the illusion of the continuity of experience. Because I have every reason to believe that when I wake up tomorrow morning and I remember everything that has come before in my life... <laughs> you remember some stuff. ...that that is things that actually happen to me. But in a meaningful way, I disappear when I fall asleep <laughs> me too. at night. I, like, what, when right? I was young, I thought so, I literally died and I was born. And like, I just Because I can't account for the eight hours. It's like, I don't know. Right. Occasionally you have a dream that you might remember, but most of the time, in a serious way, you disappear and then you wake up and you have continuity of experience, but only in so much as you remember the things that happened yesterday and the day before that and the day before that. And you sort of operate on faith. You operate on a certain level that you can trust your long line of memories. Well, and remember that documentary we watched? About the guy with total amnesia that I'm still not sure was real. I don't remember which one that is. Um, like an accident? Um, it's, well, the story in the documentary, which it says it was, it was called, I th think, Single White Male is what it was I called. I have vague memory of what you're talking so about. So he is English, which doesn't matter, living in New York, which doesn't really matter either. But he said he was sitting on the subway... And I don't know if he fell asleep, but, you know, you kind of he sort of woke up and saw some buildings that he didn't recognize and realized that he didn't know anything mm. about who he was or where he was. And he went to the hospital 
And he was like, I don't know who I am. And they didn't know what to do with him. And at one point they made him sign something and he signed it. It's like he has there's muscle right. memory that's different. And he was like, oh, look, it's a D. <laughs> I have a D name. <laughs> I have something. And the whole movie is about him kind of piecing together who he was. And a lot of his like he figures it out eventually. He figures out his name and where he's from. He pulled out his wallet at some point. Yeah, or something. And he finds his old buddies and they all say that he's not the same because so much of your personality and who you are is your lived experience. I see. Was he able, able yeah. to come out of it or he just had to? I don't, I mean, it, this, so this was like 10 years no. ago. I'll try to figure it out. I always wonder if those uh, things are uh, on the up and up. Sometimes somebody's like, oh, I woke up and I have a uh, British accent. You know, like from South yeah, Dakota. Yeah, he definitely has a British no, accent. No, but like somebody, unknown white yeah. male. It's called unknown white male. It was made in two thousand five, and that's the information I have for you okay. right now. There's a weird way in which the notions of identity are so entirely dependent on that continuity and putting faith in that continuity. That's what I loved about uh, reading Philip K. Dick, and and always love about reading Philip K. Dick, is that he seems to be willing to poke at the idea that you can trust the fact that you woke up thinking that you are yourself rather than you woke up and you were anybody else, uh, <laughs> because it's certainly possible. And the only thing that you have to go on is everyone around you. So it's a good cure for solipsism, right? This continuity of experience right. where if you're, I think that's how people end up going crazy is if they're extremely isolated and they don't have even a small sort of community to continually reassure them that this continuity of experience, which is what gives you your identity, right. uh, is meaningful. Right. And you don't need a lot of that. You, sometimes you just need one or two other people to, to keep you on the, the sane and straight and narrow path. But um, a movie in that vein is Dark City. Have you ever seen Dark Never, City? What is it? It's a similar concept as the sort white male thing? It's one of my favorite, absolutely one of my favorite uh, movies ever made. Kiefer Sutherland's in it. Kiefer is in oh, it. No kidding. He's atrocious he's doing an atrocious accent in it uh but it's it's great and you should definitely watch it and we could talk about it it's literally a very dark movie lots of blacks and blues okay so, so it looks good but it might be hard to stay awake during so like drink some coffee there's That's more daylight now so it's actually, i tried to watch it like four times at different t parts of my life and i fall asleep got an every extra time. hour of daylight now you can there's Power. something very soothing about it. Fuck the daylight. It's Dark City. You, You're you know the, uh, speaking of, con, con, you know, this identity thing, like part of it is like the story you, you tell yourself or you, you kind of live within that world. Like I do wonder if like if someone was like addicted to certain things like drugs, like hardcore addiction, and they have like that amnesia thing, if they come out of it because their, their relationship to the drug is gone. Yeah. And so... Well, it's not if they if they're chemically addicted to right, something. Right, maybe they're, then they're just having withdrawals, withdrawals and they don't know why. Like, what the fuck? Right, you go into a if you go into a coma though, and you go through all of the physical withdrawals, and you are no longer chemically dependent, and you wake up an amnesiac who doesn't realize that he was once a drug addicted right. individual. Yeah, if you control for the yeah the physical withdrawals, yeah. Right, control for all of that is that. Yeah, can I wonder if do you find yourself who knows, migrating back? Did they back? forget their trauma too? Maybe. Or they're like, for yeah. some reason, yeah. I want to do drugs. I don't know my name, but... 
Yeah. Are we going to talk about the South Park episode? Uh, what do you want to talk about it? Oh, that's good. <laughs> Lori liked South I Park, thought, the vaccination I thought special. it was great. <laughs> With the, I, they broke the fourth wall, which I never thought they'd do in that way. For, for, yeah, they have never referred to themselves as in control of what's going on in the way that they did at the end of that episode, right? That is true. I didn't even consider that when... That's never even been close to happening with the minor exception of like when everything was shit, when it was Kyle yeah. or Stan saw everything as shit. I mean, they've... they've sure, they've had spoken characters. through their characters plenty Well, and they've had characters the look into the camera, right. but it's never been so meta or whatever. Yeah. And I me- never thought that would happen. What's funny is that... So it was extremely meta in the special last year where they had the where randy was selling the pandemic special yeah and like that was an like that whole that was cute the whole joke was it's a pandemic what a scumbag randy is for cashing in on the pandemic with his pandemic special weed and then they take that to the next logical step which is to actually break the fourth wall and uh, and reveal themselves. Well, they didn't exactly reveal themselves, but to reveal the presence of a creator, creators who are working on right. this show was an unusual decision for them. Are they going to do a re- regular season, or are they just going to do specials? We don't know. No, they're they still oh, they're under contract for I think two full okay. seasons still after this. I think that they fulfilled their obligations to Comedy Central by doing these two specials this it, last year. It was year. a pleasant surprise. I was not aware that they were working on anything, and I just turned on my. Uh, one of the streaming sites, uh, and it was there. I was like, oh, look, this is new. It was fun. Yeah, new South Park. It was good. I don't think I ever answered the uh, Ship of Theseus question, and I uh, won't do so now. (laughs) You've been listening to Cast Iron Brains, a podcast with Bob and Abe. You find the show on Facebook or Twitter. Just head to brainiron.com for show notes and blogs and eventually some merch or something. I don't know. Uh, watch anything good lately, Abe? Uh, not as of yet. For the other uh, podcast, uh, we're doing the Coming to America <laughs> thing, and I oh, don't nice. tell anyone, but I've never seen the original Coming to America, so this week I need to watch both Oh my God, of them. you're going to love it. But I suspect that I've pieced together the whole thing, because I've... No. There are so many it's scenes so that are just in circulation... That I can no. make. Oh, he's coming from America, Africa to America. Have you also not seen Trading Places? I. That's the one with. Uh, yeah, yeah. The bankers. Yeah, I've seen that one. Okay. But coming to America is just like I've never seen the whole thing, and apparently the second yeah. one is uh, not particularly good, according to some people. So oh. So what's weird about those '80s movies, including Coming to America and Trading Places, and what's another good example? Um, Ghostbusters. Even Ghostbusters, which is a beloved movie, and right, rightfully so. Very funny movie. Another movie I haven't seen. They're not actually that good. Like, like as as we think of movies being good now and, like, well-executed and put together and professionally done, they weren't... That's not how fucking movies were made. Okay. Fucking 40 years ago. Under a critical eye. Like, they had a sort of script... they had a sort of script, and then they had fucking Eddie Murphy, and then they had uh, John Landis to to make a whole bunch of craziness happen, and then they're like, we'll figure it all out later, and we're going to put it out, and it's going to make 
$100 million because it's uh, Eddie Murphy, and we got the brand name, and it's going to be fine. I feel like it's a genre. The way we have Marvel movies now, that was just what movies were. And that's that was the genre. Everybody was just highly, highly coked up and... (laughs) And just, ho- they were on these right. movie sets. Right. And they weren't particularly interested in making like, and I'm not saying that you have to always make great, perfect but movies because they the were 80s, successful right? movies. I mean, all of the Sylvester Stallone movies. Uh, Fer- Fer- yeah. Ferris Bueller was a good movie. Right? right. So, but Ferris Bueller is not the sort of. It's not the same. That John Hughes movies are different. Right. That's a John Hughes movies that's like scripted to the very okay. last moment. Like ev- everything is perfectly set up. There's this. There's the weird so, sort of subgenre of 80s comedy that's yeah. you don't see movies like that anymore they because they're not them. actually that good. The closest thing would be like that tag movie we saw, the adult comedies like that exist now. Like Game, Game Night. Night. Okay. Yeah. You yeah, know, like there's adult suck. comedies. <laughs> Game Night yes, was fine. But it's that same the Game same Night was not perfectly fine. fine. It was fine. The, the Todd guy being the cop. That's the thing. They're just as fine as the Ghostbusters movies. I bet you liked Cockblockers too. I did not see Cockblockers. You guys, I was so drunk when we watched Cockblockers that I cried hard at the end. Oh, it was good? No, it was not good. No, I was so emotional. What did we watch this weekend? Anything of consequence? We watched, we played a lot of Mario Kart. We started the Swedish show or Danish show with Euron Greyjoy. By the way, that country... Yeah, that show that... that uh, you got to talk about the investigation. Does that country only have like three actors? Because yes. I watched uh, Borgen, another show from that country, and two of the actors are on this other... The investig- It's like they have like the same three actors. Yeah, they own, that's a very small it's country. It's not that very many people. It's very small. We got the, uh, people. You have Jamie Lannister. Speaking of translations... You're on Greyjoy. <laughs> I'm not, I don't trust all of the subtitles on that show. <laughs> they, they seem to have done a slapdash that job is true. at times. Sometimes there's a lot of talking, but there's only like three words in the captions. Like they're saying, yeah. it's like yeah, Sorkin right. though, because Bob turned on the subtitles watching West Wing once, and it's definitely not what they're right. saying. It's because they talk too fast. You have to translate right. it. Yeah, we're enjoying that show so far. I, think. I like it. I'd it's rather fine. have done that tonight than this. One of the more infuriating things. Well, when you watch the whole thing, I'll talk to you about this, Bob. But this Shh, stupid I don't want to hear about it. That they have over there is terrible. You yeah. know, it's based on a true story. Yes, that's okay, what I don't pissed want me off. If it was just made up, I would be like, whatever. But I'm like, this actually happened in a place. Stupid. But that's what we watched. That's the answer. Lots of Austin. Mario Kart. Lots of poker. And a little right. bit of Euron Greyjoy. I won poker, despite my best efforts. The universe <laughs> aligned to give me the big win. All right. Well, uh, you got anything else for us tonight, Abe? I do, actually, Bob. Did you know, and this is true, that male giraffes test drink the urine of female giraffes to determine if the female is in heat? If she is... He spends the next few days following her around, attempting to stick his four-foot-long erection into her. Once successful, he ejaculates in just a few seconds while she'll be pregnant for the next 15 months. What a dick. (laughs) I guess that's all we've got for tonight, then, and we will talk to you next time. Later. By the way, there's a similar animal mating thing, but it's like shitting. 
him somewhere to notify the dude that, you know, open season, you know, and then they figure out where they are. It's, it's very odd that it's similar. Do they consider that a murder or an assassination? He was shanked plenty, right? Full disclosure, I'm not a farmer, so... Mom. I'm going to share my screen right quick. It's just going to Don't make fun of people's I'm not going to I'm not making I just want Abe to see what we're working with here. I'm not going to say anything about her appearance. I'm just going uh, to flash Abe a quick photograph don't compromise and then me I'll with move your... on. You got anything to say about that, Abe? I don't see anything yet. I see a black screen. Oh, okay. Okay, I mean, full disclosure, I'm not a farmer. So You think if the, the sun, when it sets and it doesn't matter so much, full disclosure, I'm not a farmer, so. The female shit somewhere to notify the dudes that, you know, open season, here, you know, and then full disclosure, I'm not a farmer, so. He spends the next few days following her around, attempting to stick his four foot long erection into her. Once successful, he ejaculates in just a few seconds while she'll be pregnant for the next 15 months. What a dick. That's Abe. Full disclosure, I'm not a farmer, so. Yeah. You have like five more things left there. Why? I'm just spending a lot of time per thing. <laughs> I'm trying to remember the last time we did a show where you didn't start complaining about how much there was left to talk about. No, it's just that I think you can move on sooner and, and talk about all the things you want to talk about. Uh, well, we're not going to talk about fucking Tucker Carlson, because fuck that. <laughs> so we're, I, I can clear that off the list. Don't worry. Um, when did they start counting time? <laughs> When did they start clocks? Okay, they started clocks at some point a hundred years ago. Yeah, more than it was, that. It was about a hundred years okay. ago. Okay, give they or take. Clocks. So how many more? How, like what? You're proving my own point. It's a really fucking long time. What? It's been. They've been had. They've had time, and even it's been more time. than one hundred years. But that's not the yeah, name given up. One hundred years. Right. How did how did they coordinate attacks in World War One without the without the clock? They. Stars. Sun. Stars. 